At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, guys, we're back for another uh, episode of A Few Points from Perfect, and I'll, I'm down Jason. I, I got a stand-in. Got a fill-in. Kind of short. And I told you I'm on Very the short. Not near as good looking. Hey, I'm setting up about six inches higher. He's right got two now. pillows underneath of him, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got a pretty so. cool, uh, pretty cool guest this time, Matt from Diesel Creek. How you guys doing? Welcome. So hopefully you'll make up for his shortcomings. Maybe we'll, mm-hmm. maybe he should. I could take the, yeah, I could take me off the knees and just add it to you. <laughs> We'd both be even height. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, welcome to the podcast, Matt. We are actually in uh, where are we at Finley, Ohio. Yes, sir. We come up here for a joint venture with uh, Workbrow. Toured the factory today. That was mm-hmm. uh, pretty doggone cool. Yes, yeah. it was. I guess uh, I don't want to get too far off base here, but I had like no idea how expansive that company was as far as the product line they offer, the manufacturing facility they have. Um, like it was, it was impressive. Yeah, when I when we ran into them in Louisville, when I was talking to them, uh, I didn't know that they offered half of what they offered. So I've been, I've seen them for years. You know, I have uh, have their thumb on my machine, and I've ran tons of their buckets but that's pretty much all i knew right they did well i didn't even know they were called work brow for years i just thought they were wb until i bought until i bought my thumb that's what i thought they were too <laughs> just, i was like i wanted one of them wb thumbs yeah and, you know mwb they're like work brow no the wb ones yeah, so yeah, i had no idea but uh, a couple things that stood out to me real quick one i had no idea they made dozer blades yeah uh, and two, I had no idea you could custom order a bucket. Like they just don't have a production run bucket. Like if you have a, a custom bucket you want to get, mm-hmm. they will build it for you. So what was your takeaway, man, behind the scenes? Uh, one, I walked in and I was in awe because of how big it was. I thought it was going to be a, just a one little one room. No, they had, well, we've uh, seen three buildings on one property. Yeah, they, got, they got four other factories. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, it was pretty uh, impressive. And the welders. Oh, of course, the welders. The welders. Got to bring up the welders. Uh, they had, what, probably 30, 40 guys welding? No, oh, I think the man. thing we watched in the beginning there when they went over the history said there was like 250 welders they yeah, had working for them. Typical, he was sleeping. Yeah. I, well, I was in awe walking around, but I'm not counting the orbital ones. But No, they had, uh, I bet you in that one building, they had probably 30 welders yeah. minimum. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I think for the company, I think the slide said 250 Yeah, 250, yeah, or 500 employees, 250 plus employees, yeah. So, Matt, anything stick out to you while we're there? Uh, It seems like a good family-run company. Yeah, that's a great point. They said they buy all their steel from the U.S., so that's a a big selling feature to me. Uh, They make almost everything Mm in-house, so that's a company that's all, you know, that goes through every step of the process. That's something that's uh, important to me because they can support the whole thing. It's not... You know, oh, you got to go buy this part from so and so, right? No, that's a that's a great point you brought up. Is they are a family owned fourth generation company. Uh, they're not bought out by some big conglomerate, and and it shows walking through the factory. Uh, you can tell they're not yeah. a big corporate entity, even though they operate on a big corporate scale. I guess it, uh, it it was definitely pretty cool. So, not to get too far down that rabbit hole, um, Matt. First of all, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. For the people who don't know out there, you operate the uh, YouTube channel, Diesel Creek. Yes, sir. Also on other forms of social media. 
Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, when I choose to be, when I remember that I have them. <laughs> so I guess uh, let's go back way before YouTube, way before social media. Uh, you're a kid growing up in Pennsylvania. I mean, like, what was – were you the guy – were you the kid tinkering in the shop all the time? Were you playing sports or – My dad has his own business. He's been buying, selling, and uh, wholesaling, leasing copy machines and related office products for – I want to say he's been in business 35 years now, really? something like that. Isn't it just crazy how people can find the most random niche and be super successful at it? Well, at the time, when I when he started his business, he was one of the few few people in the country doing what he was doing. So he was one of the top guys. And then I guess as the years progressed and you know the technology changed, the market shifted, and I think things went more towards leasing, and he stick, stuck with wholesale. So you know he, he just kind of got lost in the crowd, I guess. But, I mean, he's still holding his own. He's still doing what he does. It's just there's a lot – a lot more competition these days. Well, that industry uh, changed tremendously. Oh, yeah. Tremendously. Yeah, so. Night and day. I mean, he was selling fax machines back in the day. That was a big market for him. And <laughs> I remember when the pagers were, like, huge. You know, yeah. like, if you had a pager, yeah. you were he cool. Had, <laughs> he, still, he still services every once in a while typewriters really? for, for yeah. companies that have the, the tape that goes into them and it yep. hammers through the tape. Yeah. And he still works on those things from time to time. There's local companies that still use those. I um, I remember being a kid. My uh, grandparents owned a, a large insurance firm, and and Grandma used to always use one of those typewriters to type the addresses on letters. Mm-hmm. Every morning you'd go in there and you'd hear that. So I remember being a kid going into the insurance office and you'd hear those typewriters. Then fast forward five years, you'd hear the old IBM keyboards, mm-hmm. yep. and then fast forward a little bit longer, and you hear about hitting touchscreens. You know what I mean? They're just Completely the other off subject, though. And I, he he keeps a lot of that old stuff he's got laying around. And I was looking through boxes the other day up there looking for something. And he has those old keyboards, and I found out that those IBM keyboards that you're talking that have that yeah. iconic sound, people pay big money for those. Really? Now. That's like I a mean, collector they like, thing. <laughs> yeah. They, it's, because they have that, that sound and that tactile feedback. There's like a whole uh, crowd out there that wants to buy those things up and, and save them and use them. You know, uh, I remember uh, growing up at, as a kid, I'm, we're showing our age here, I'm the oldest one out of the bunch, but have, we used to have a rotary phone on the wall. Oh, yeah. We, we, my parents still have one. Yeah, we, we, went, we went into a hotel room one time. They had a rotary phone on there. My son looks at me like, what's this alien sitting on the, on the countertop? What hotel <laughs> did you go to that your well, son was Well, that's a whole other podcast, Matt. Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go down that hole. <laughs> so, um, uh, did, I guess you had no interest going down the electronic repair? No, and, and he doesn't do – I mean, he does repair just out of necessity for his own stuff, but he uh, – it was mainly like a wholesale market. And, yeah, it was just never anything I was interested in. Now, did you guys grow up in town, grow up on a farm? Kind of – I wouldn't call it in town. It's a very small town, you know. It's I think the town I'm from maybe has eight or 10,000 people in the whole place, but it's spread out across gotcha. a pretty good ways to have that many people. And, and not to get into great details, but you're basically in eastern or western Pennsylvania, I guess, yeah. which is a, a lot of rural area. Yeah, I'm like 10 minutes from Weirton, West Virginia, so it's I actually went to high school in West Virginia. That's how close we are. Even though you live in PA. Yes. Um, but no, he, he, he would work on cars, and he would you know fix the mower or something if he had to, and he did mechanical work when he was a kid. His dad was a mechanic, and... Um, so, yeah, I, we didn't really focus on that or anything. It was just whatever. We'd fix, like, breaks, stuff out of necessity. Gotcha. But, but I don't know. I was in kindergarten. The very first thing I ever fixed, I was uh, – our kindergarten, we had a ton of, like, the toys that we were, like, you know, played with during the day or whatever. And there was a, a little plastic cordless drill and, like, a little cash register that had the plastic oh, yeah. coins that you'd the, stick uh, in. little tyke stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we had those things, and they didn't work. And I was – I don't know, even know how old you are in preschool, but I was young – 
And I told the teacher, well, I'm going to take these things home and fix them. And she was like, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sure you are. And uh, I took I them home you. and I tore them apart and I fixed them. And nobody helped me. And I remember taking them back. I don't know if it was the next day or a couple of days later or something. And I took them back and the lady's like, oh, yeah, you fixed these. And uh, she looked at my mom like, oh, you guys helped him fix these. And she's like, he did that entirely on his own. I don't even, he just took screwdrivers and did it. It was just like. I think the cash register had a big eraser stuck in it or yeah. something. You know, it was stupid, but it was the point that I did do it on my own. And at that age, just getting it apart and back together yeah. is, is a feat in itself. Yeah, I still have problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to this later, but some people who watch your channel may uh, may, may agree with you on that. So, <laughs> um, so fast forward, you said you went to school in West Virginia? Yeah, I went to high school in West Virginia, four years of Catholic school there, um, but... They didn't, I wanted to do like a Votech program or like a welding program or something. And the state offered them, but because I was an out-of-state resident, I couldn't go. And PA offered them, but because I was going to school out-of-state, I couldn't go. Well, you so were I got 22 both ways. I got screwed out of that from both ends and uh, ended up after high school. I went to uh, CCAC, which is our community college. It's uh, one county over from me. And they had a really nice weld department. Gotcha. And uh, ended up doing that. I got a weld certificate, but... I enjoyed doing it. I, I was pretty good at it. I, I went from somebody that like barely graduated high school, not because I'm dumb. I just don't care. I'm the kid that stares out the window. Well, that day. was that was my next question. You know, you, you kind of sound like a little bit about me in high school. Is I was uh, if it was something I was interested in, I'd put my heart and soul into it. Oh, yeah, I'm all and did about a good it. job. But if it's something I wasn't interested in, I just did the absolute bare minimum mm-hmm. to get by. So, like mm-hmm. Matt in high school, did you play any sports? No. Um, I played t-ball when I was a kid, and I think I played soccer for a season after that, and I, it's never been my thing. So I'm assuming favorite subjects were probably science and shop class? I didn't even have a shop class. Like really? Yeah, you know, Catholic school, they didn't have that stuff. We it was have, all college prep courses. So, like, how many people mm. were in your graduating class? Like, how many 35. Were, 35, mm. so that's... And I don't remember half of them. No offense really? to any of you guys that might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> it was just four years I blocked out of my mind. Yeah. I, um, I've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast, but my high school experience was horrible. Uh, you know, they were really pushing four-year colleges back then, and I was – Still really, were when I graduated. And I was really pushing against it, and I was pretty much told I was an idiot. And um, I had my life planned out more than most people did, and I, I just couldn't get out of there fast enough. It was mm-hmm. – I, I want to say I had my life planned out, or, but it was more like I thought I had my life planned out because I sure didn't see myself ending up where I'm at. Right, this is right. A, a whole different venture. So you mentioned that uh, the welding line of work. So what, what kind of – Led you down that path versus operator or, or something uh, well, else? Well, I always liked construction, but to my knowledge at the time, there was no money in it. You know, it was probably because it's looked down on and it's like, right. you know, the garbage guy. Well, the garbage guy's probably got a good pension and good benefits and is actually making pretty good money, but for some reason, nobody likes to tell that, you that. He just don't have that fancy job title. That's yeah, the thing you know. Uh, but he's the garbage guy, you know, so he's not looked on as somebody that's probably doing okay. So, and the, the college or the, excuse me, the, the high school I went to, was just like that, and they they really pushed for four year college degrees, and nobody ever even discussed a trade program or any of that kind I of stuff think with that us. That is a huge mistake. We're paying for twenty years later. Absolutely, today. yeah. We are, we are we just tearing the work route factory today. Skilled workers. Yeah, yeah, they can't get them. They said they'd hire fifty of them right now today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you say? They could grow thirty to forty yeah. percent this year if they could get the staff to do it. And there's nothing wrong. With being a certified welder or a certified Absolutely plumber, or certified electrician, um, equipment operator, et cetera. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off subject on that. No, that's, it's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I like doing what I'm doing is because I help push people into that direction. Yep. 
I think it's a, a noble thing to get into, and you can make very good money if you're ambitious oh, about it. Oh, absolutely. If you're willing to work, the sky's the limit. So uh, did you end up finding the welding program you were able to get? Yeah, I went through CCAC's program. Like I said, to their credit, it's a, it's a state-run program, but it was actually a really, really good program. They had a really nice facility compared to some of the private schools I looked at. I and mean, there was Triangle Tech, I think, was the one that was like a big, big one in Pittsburgh. And I think their program – basically the same thing at the end of the program was like thirty thousand dollars really? and i think i ended up spending like 2800 to go take this courses through the state school that had a nicer facility for it right so so that, what, that's another negative thing like you say oh i went to the community college and it's oh well we're sorry yeah, about that yeah, you know exactly. it's it's not it was better like there was no downside and to my knowledge you know the um one thing we've talked a little bit about it is is school in a classroom and shop class can teach you a lot. Oh, absolutely. But the, what makes you valuable is your experience, and and you can't buy it, you can't teach it. You got to learn it. You got to you got to earn it. And uh, the, the the purpose of the school is to get you qualified enough to go on a job and get that experience and do what you need to do. Yeah, because the, the, what I came out of there with was they called it a D one point one bridge cert, so you could do uh, you could run. One inch and thicker. I, I can't remember the exact thing on it, but it was you. It wasn't a huge skill set that you had, but like I say, you get and get out there. It it'll get the you door. hired. It opens. It'll door. get you that experience. Mm-hmm. So they, there was things I could have went and did with it, but I ended up. Uh, what did I do after that? <laughs> I, I worked a lot of a lot of short term jobs. It just kind of becomes a blur. But I I went and hired out with a landscaping company at the time. They were they were in the process of growing pretty big and they're still growing to this day. They uh they did a lot of a lot of excavation as well as the landscaping stuff. So I started off doing like retaining walls with them and then we kept going and doing like house clearing sites and stuff like that. And that's where I started running equipment at. Um and actually ended up buying my first machine from that company. Really? Mhm. So is this where you uh... So I, I'm, this may be leading into the future, but as things went on, did you find you enjoyed operating better than welding, mechanicking better than welding, or is welding still the Mechanicking's just become a, a hobby that turned into, I wouldn't call it a profession at this point, but it's it's just a overgrown hobby, I guess, for me. Right. But I do enjoy doing it. I've always liked it, It's and it's the same with welding. It's one of those things that I like to do on my own time, on my own accord, but to do it 9 to 5 or whatever it is is not as much fun at all. Gotcha. So before we get too far out of um, childhood here, I'll air quote, um, only child, got siblings? No, I have two older sisters, so I was I was the oops. They're, <laughs> they're 10 years older than me. Well, if they were shooting for one last hope for a boy, I guess they that's, I think that's what it was. <laughs> they never came out and said I was an oops, but it was always the story like, uh, oh, your bedroom is supposed to be mom's sewing room, you know? Like, <laughs> My youngest brother, we straight up call him the accident. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't care. So I don't know what. Nobody's ever said that. Right, I just right. know it. Yeah. But, so uh, were, you, were you and your sisters close growing up? I mean. Well, the oldest sister, she was in college when I was. Oh, so you know, she's quite a bit older. older. Yeah, she's, I'm 29 now. I think she's 43 or 44. Okay, wow. So she's pretty older, pretty pretty good ways older. And then the, the other sister's. Five years younger than her. I'm terrible with birthdays. I don't know how old either of them are, to be honest with you. um, It's around about age. I couldn't tell you how old. I could tell you about how old they are, but I'm the the same way. So, but I mean, that's a good point. So, even though you had siblings, they were both kind of in different parts of the world. Yeah, and they're they're girls and they weren't into the stuff that I was into, that's for sure, but they were a good bit older. So, I didn't didn't get to hang out with them and spend time. Gotcha. I I was kind of, I want to say I was raised as an only child, but there was. Probably some things that I picked up that only children experience, you know. Right. 
Well, and from my experience being the oldest of three, the youngest gets away with murder. That's yes. what they tell me, but I don't believe that. I got murdered. I don't I think that's it. Usually the, usually the youngest, they turn into professional wrestlers. <laughs> I, don't look, look, I don't look like a wrestler. Completely off subject, his youngest brother is a professional wrestler. His name is No Joke Johnny Poke, and that's no joke. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. But, yeah, my, my, my brother would get away with, like, the craziest mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm like, I would be grounded for years. They always said that. I don't believe it. You know? <laughs> I was there. I remember them getting in trouble for things. Uh, yeah, it's it's not not fair. So, uh, so anyways, uh, landscaping business. You're getting introduced to some equipment. You're kind of getting some operating experience, and uh, so where do we go from there? Yeah, I learned a bit from them, and then uh, there was a machine shop in town that was kind of like. When I was coming up, it, it was like the place to work in town. It was kind of like a cushy thing. It was a nice seven to three shift. They had good benefits. You're close to home. You know, all the things that you know a small town kid is told right. that that's 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 the place you want to work. The, that's you the know, uh, job your parents would love to have. Yeah. So I went and worked for them. I got a job. Uh, I I went in as a mechanic, and they did heavily. They were heavy into mine and mill machinery repair and. Uh, so uh, mining, like what mining is big? Deep in mining. Deep mining? Well, it's not, yeah, I guess it's, I'd say it's big in our area. There was quite a few strip mines around when I was a kid, too, but those are pretty much all gone now. Um, but, yeah, the deep mining is still pretty good size in our area, and they did a lot of work with uh, Joy Miners, and there was still some Bucyrus Erie stuff coming in when I was there, and they'd fab up some of their own stuff. And a lot of it was repeat work, but there was a lot of it, too, that came in that was, you know, one-off. So right. it was fun to just dive into something that you'd never seen before and figure it out. And that's, a, that's a skill I have learned very little about that I wish I knew more about is just basic machine work. Yeah, and that's, I think that's my greatest attribute is that I can just dive into anything and figure it out. Yeah. There's really not too much that doesn't make fundamental sense to me. If I stare at it long enough, I figure out right, how it works. Right. So, That's the beautiful part about the old equipment and machinery is it's all mechanical. Yeah, I mean, you can figure it out. There's a cause and effect to I everything. can't look at this wire and tell you what yeah. the pixies running through that wire do. <laughs> I have no idea. There's a drunk electrode in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely going the wrong way. But, uh, no, I, I kind of envy you a little bit on that. I wish I would have uh, picked up some, which I still have time to pick up some machining experience in my life, obviously, but... Uh, that's one thing I've got to lathe in the shop now, mm-hmm. and ooh, it's bad news. Yeah, well, I mean, you're getting a little bit better. I can at least produce usable parts. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I went in as a mechanic there, and that was the thing. After I don't know, there was some slow time. We didn't have a lot of mechanical work going on. They they put me on a on a lathe and said you know, it was a CNC lathe, but it's early CNC stuff. This shop was a little outdated and. Yeah, I learned some basic G code and stuff, and I could, you know, run the mics and check parts and, you know, do production work. But if you learn the basics, you can apply them to anything. Exactly. So that it wasn't long before I could run a manual mill. Uh, I never did much with a boring mill, but I can run a lathe pretty good and, like, uh, Bridgeport mills, stuff like that. Right. I can do all that stuff, enough to get by. I mean, I'm not fast at it, but I can do it. Man, just knowing the basics. I mean, yeah. just um, I, can, I can see the benefits of having the small – Lathe in the shop, yeah. we used it oh, quite man. a bit. I just yeah, especially wish. machinery pins and bushings. Oh yeah. man, yes, yeah. When um, huh. I just uh, I gotta um, get uh, I need to get Justin up there and just give me a crash course. So, so how long did you spend at the uh, at the machine shop? I was there for closing in on three years. I was <laughs> I kind of got screwed there in the middle of that. I was supposed to leave and go to the other uh, the coup de gras of hometown experienced uh, jobs. There's a, a plant in our town that uh, makes an additive for steel, and my dad had worked there for a while before I was born. It was a good job. They were paying good money. It was a union, union job. 
And I got hired there, supposedly. I had a start date. I turned in my two weeks' notice, and then they called me, like, with four days left on my two weeks' notice and said, hey, there was a problem with the plant. No job. And I was really? like, oh. <laughs> so there I go with a walk of shame back up to the office <laughs> begging for my job, you know. And um, I'm guessing they were probably glad to have you back, though. Yeah, actually, they were they were not upset about it at all. And I they did a lot of work for that plant, so I don't know if whatever happened there. But um, – but I was just kind of in a rut at that place. I mean, there was a lot of poor morale there. I mean, looking back, it was a good place to work if you, you know, depending on who you are and how ambitious you are, that right. was a good place to work. But I was I was ambitious, and I didn't want to just sit there in one place. And I don't like working inside. I was staring out the door all day, every day, just saying, man, I'd like to be outside. Time for a change. So, uh, like you said, time for a change. So where did where did life take you after that? Uh, one of the other guys I was working with there got a job at a transformer factory about you know, 30 minutes from home. So I was branching out a little bit. I was getting out of my hometown. <laughs> and uh, so they were making good money. Again, union shop. And so I said, I applied there, got in over there, and I uh, went to work there for six months building those big transformers, like the ones you see that get hauled on rail cars yep. or like the super loads. And it was another cool job. It was just cool to get that diversified experience right, right. and see the I mean, big fabrication jobs. I mean, and that's – I kind of have some of the knowledge. That's when we were at WorkProud today, seeing some of that stuff. It's just reminding me of how they did stuff there. Um, big facility, you know, swing shift. It was it was a cool job, but it it opened the door, I guess, or the doors opened for me. I ended up getting in. Uh, cousin of mine was a boss on a road work outfit and got me into the laborers union. So I jumped ship again. And So approximately about how old were you when you got into the laborers union? 22, 23, something like that. And, and for people that aren't fully uh, familiar with unions, if you can get in that young, you can make a pretty good living. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good route to go. And anybody that is interested in construction, I, I encourage it. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. There's always right. that, that age-old argument of which is better. But Well, we've had very diverse conversations about it on this trip, and we all agree there's pros and cons to both. And Absolutely. It depends yeah. on the situation a little bit. Uh, Aaron's obviously a union boilermaker. You're – I guess technically we'll get into it later. Still could be a union employee if you yep. want to be. Um, so you, uh, you've, you've accomplished the goal of getting outside. I don't know a whole lot of laborers that work inside much. No, and that's the laborers union was really cool because they do a lot of different stuff. I mean, there was, if there wasn't good paying highway work or building trades or pipeline work, there was uh, you can get, go down to the convention center in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and empty trash cans if you want to. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know if you can describe this pretty well, but, you know, I've, I've been the boss on a lot of big union jobs, and everybody thinks of a laborer as the guy that runs over, gets a two-by-four, and brings it to you. Sometimes, but, I mean, a lot of times but, you but have responsibilities. But there's a lot more to that yeah, job than yeah. just being the grunt on the job. Yeah. I mean, these, It's not a glorious title. It's just like the garbage guy. Right, you know? but but it, but there, I, I think the title degrades the job a little bit. I, I yeah. think the laborers don't get the credit they should in a lot of applications. Yeah. I think laborers are more than worth more than operators in certain situations. Yeah. Because, uh, like a labor, like I have worked for the labors too. I put a year in with the labors, um, kind of help a couple buddies out. But you know, as part of being a labor, you shoot, you're shooting all the grade, you're yeah. putting, you're laying all the pipe. You know, there's a lot that lays on your shoulder. I know the operator's digging it and getting it as close as he can, but when it comes to backfilling the labors, they're the ones actually laying everything in and getting the actual final grade in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't realize that either until I actually did it. Yeah, I just think about it. all the stadium jobs we've done mm-hmm. and all the different positions we've had laborers in. And, yeah. And a lot of times they're 
they're a lot more universal than a technical carpenter on a job like that. And I've seen them out on road jobs to like what you're talking about. I just want to make sure we give them a fair shake that there's there's a lot oh, more. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, the laborers, I just went and bought myself medical insurance. Nobody has better insurance than the laborers union did. I actually was talking to the insurance lady that was giving our quotes for us. And uh, I told her I used to have good insurance through the union. And I said I had like a $30 hospitalization copay or whatever. She said, oh, you worked for the laborers union. I didn't say where I was from. I just said <laughs> yeah. that's what I had. She knew exactly what she you said. That's the only and only anybody that has anything that's that cheap. So there's there's a lot of pros to working for those guys. So I know like uh, Aaron, for example, he applied to five different unions. The boilermakers were the first one that took his dumb butt. So, <laughs> they jumped on me real quick. Should have held out. The best of the best. <laughs> they got lucky. So in, in your scenario, like uh, did, did you go to the laborers or is that where the opportunity was at? Or Well, see, I kind of got, I don't know if you want to call it back door in because the company that my cousin worked for was hiring me directly rather than me going and applying to the union and then working through the union I got hired to the company and that made me a union employee so I kind of got lucky there but from there it opened the door to other work so uh yeah I was doing a lot of concrete work it was highway work so I poured thousands and thousands of yards of concrete uh, redoing roads and all that kind of stuff learned a lot of good valuable skills along the way no, eventually you ended up in the operators, correct? Yeah, that was always my dream. I really loved running equipment. Growing up, my uncle had his own construction outfit. He had like 25, 30 guys working for him at one point. And uh, over the years, as I was getting older, his company, he was just weaseling out of it. And he was in the operators by the time I was uh, old enough to, to work or know anybody. Right. He was in the operators himself. And I've just always loved construction equipment. I've always been the kid in the sandbox with the Tonka toys. So I wanted to run the real thing. And, uh, you know, being in the laborers and sitting there looking at myself in the ditch covered in mud and the rain going, oh, it'd be nice to see in that heated cab right now, you know. So, I mean, I think it's a good place to start. I don't think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with retiring from the laborers either, but I think that it's a natural progression that that's kind of where you move to. You're either going to go to management or you're going to go to uh, the operators or one of the more skilled trades, you know, because right. there's financial incentives, not to mention it's easier on you. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your your path is uh, kind of similar in mine. You know, I, ha- I always had intentions of being out on my own, but the uh, experience and the values I learned working for other people in different positions, I still apply to stuff I do today. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't do anything different because working those jobs, you learned more you didn't, you didn't. You don't realize how much you learned until later in life. Does mm-hmm. that is that a fair statement? Oh, absolutely. There's stuff that I still apply from the machine shop job every day that I'm when I'm right. working on and, stuff and that the I time, learned there. And at the time you're working at the machine shop, you're like, this is almost useless knowledge. But here you are. 17. I didn't think it was useless because I was still tinkering on stuff at that point. Let like, me rephrase that. You didn't realize the importance of it. Yeah, there's stuff that I took for granted that I learned there. That I I'm educating people that are three times my age. Sometimes I'm doing stuff. You know. I don't know, washing something with a torch or right. basic mechanical stuff to me that I don't think anything about that they're like, oh, that's a really good idea. And I'm like, well, I've been doing this since I was 17, you know? Yeah, I think that may be one of the reasons why both of us have some success on YouTube too is I know like watching aviation videos, people that are really into aviation stuff, like the the, the bare basics, they just assume we know and we don't. And I'd, I always apply that to my dirt channel. Like, I may do something that may be the most basic thing ever, but somebody that don't know anything about the dirt industry may not realize what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So sometimes I feel like an idiot explaining something basic, but then you get all the comments. People appreciate you actually taking the time mm-hmm. to explain that. Yeah. Yeah, I try to do the same thing. And Dumb yeah, it down enough. You, you do, uh, do a pretty good job of that, that as well. So, 
Um, I should backtrack a little bit. So back when I was working at the machine shop, that's when I bought my own machine. I bought a skid loader. I bought an S185 from that landscape company I'd worked at prior. And I started... I bought it first just for my own play toy. I tried to justify it and say I was going to do some <laughs> Every do some work with it. But I, I, I just wanted it really bad is what it was. And they made me a fair deal on it. And I had a motocross track at the time, so that was my thing. Like, I'm just going to build this track up. It's going to be great. And, uh, you know, I'll make some money with it on the side. Well, I was driving a Ford Ranger. I didn't have a way to haul this thing. You know, it was the, the skid loader weighed more than my whole truck. So I, I did use it for working on the track and I soon found out that that wasn't the ideal machine to be uh, cutting up hills and doing all kind of major dirt work with. But I did, did what it needed to do. And I did try to do some little bit of side jobs here and there, but then as time went on, you know, I made the next jump to that transformer factory. I bought a trailer and I bought a truck too, by the time I left the machine shop. So it's still the truck I'm driving to this day, actually. Um, yeah. You know, people want to go into business always say my favorite line is actually doing the job is the easiest part oh absolutely people don't realize what all it takes to get that skid steer there whether it be just logistically with a truck and trailer or legally with interns and Mm -hmm. plates and all that stuff and and there's just so much more to it um and and it it just it's a progression of adding this piece to the puzzle adding this piece of the puzzle and just just i'm still adding you're still adding yeah yeah, exactly through you get one, and you're thinking, all right, and then three yeah. days later, you're like, man, if I had that now. If I had a mini to go with this skid steer, I'd be <laughs> yeah. in business. And then if know? I buy a bigger skid steer, I need a bigger truck, then I need yeah. a bigger it's, trailer. It spirals out of control very Next quickly. Next thing you know, you got an 850J with wide pads and a, a Transformer That's Ripper right. on the back. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, so the operators union, like, um, uh, how long did you spend there? Uh, cool jobs? I mean, Well, from the labors first, I, was, I ended up weaseling myself into a – pipeline position I, I got into pipeline construction and I found that that was that was what I was looking for I didn't realize that I I liked road work it was okay but it was very labor intensive just getting beat it's on very by the stressful sun. because you got the um the pressure of the traffic and the deadlines that, and everything. yeah I didn't realize how much I hated working around the traffic yeah. just the noise alone when you're trying to work all day and you just got this I mean you would just that alone bothers me a lot but you know it wasn't bad and I'm not not going to knock it. I've done more of it since then, but I got, I got onto a pipeline job just by accident. That's just, they called me out of the hall to go do that because I was laid off from the company I had gotten hired from originally. Um, and in union terms, layoff isn't like a bad thing. Like, no, it's, no, it's, it's a lot of people, you tell them, Oh, I got laid off. And they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like it's, it's kind like, of the way the union yeah, operates. It's, it's a normal thing in union, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, so I, I got onto a pipeline job and, I was just a grunt. I was carrying skids, they call them. And when I got hired on the pipeline, I thought a skid was like a pallet, which is what I think most people think a skid is. But it's like a four-by-six piece of oak that's, I don't know, three or four foot long. And basically, I was just hucking these skids around all day carrying them. And it was work. I was running, but it was fun. I was out in the woods. And at the time, the industry was more like, you know, you got away with a lot more. There was like some cowboy stuff still going on out there, and that's what I liked. It was fast paced, and it made the day go by really fast. A little bit more of the wild, wild west. Yeah, that's that's the last frontier for the safety industry, but it was still, I mean, within reason. Right, but right. I got in doing that, and then out of the crew that I was working on, I got selected to be the swamper, they call it, and I was tailing pipe basically so they got this big side boom you know what that is it's, it's like a dozer that's got a big a-frame on the side it's a crane basically i just want to mention real quick you post some throwback pictures on your facebook and instagram occasionally of these jobs yeah they're really interesting yeah the I, I try to post on instagram at diesel creek once a week but it doesn't always happen if my memory fails me but uh 
I took thousands and thousands of pictures while I was working doing this stuff. And that was my favorite, favorite job that I've ever had. But, uh, yeah, a lot of cool pictures I, I try to post on there. And there's, you can see good examples of all the stuff I'm talking about. But so I was tailing pipe and it was just, it was a blast. It was hard work. You're running all day, but man, it was fun. And I, you know, wearing through a pair of gloves in a day and stuff like that. I mean, but it was just outside. I was in the woods, you know, for the most part. And, uh, had a good time doing it. So I, I tried to stay in doing that. After that, I told the union that I was the jobs I was looking for. And uh, the very next job I went to, I worked as a laborer again for a little while, but then got a call into the office. And uh, I thought I was in trouble for something, you know, getting called in the office. That's <laughs> not good. But here they offered me a job as a uh, straw boss. So I ended up working for this guy and that whole job. And uh, we were in charge of the right away crew, it's called. So Basically, we have the most of the dirt moving equipment on the whole job where they're going through after the clearing pipelines, a big moving assembly line. So it starts with the survey crew goes through and they survey out the whole line. They mark it off with stakes and then the clearing crew comes through. They clear all the timber off of it and all the brush and stumps and everything. And then they come through, locate everything. And then we'd come through with the right away crew and we would be uh, a typical crew for us had anywhere from, you know, five or six D8s. Our biggest crew that we had was, I think we had 10 dozers at one time, 10 D8s and a couple finished sixes, and, uh, you know, five or six Cat 336s, a couple 349s, you know, big big crew, a lot of iron. That's just one crew out of a job with 2,000 people on it. So it was big-time construction, and it was just a lot of fun because it was the same thing. You're just going as fast as you can, just rolling dirt, and it was just – Made the day go by fast, and we were making good money doing it. The other thing is, is you get on a job like that, and uh, me and Aaron have talked about this a bunch. If you enjoy the people you work with, it's not work, no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It would never seem like work to me. It was like a big family. Right. Even though these guys were guys that would come and go, because that's just the way the union is. Like, oh, the so-and-so got a better offer in Oklahoma. Well, he drug up, and he's gone. You know, I knew the guy for two weeks, but we right. hung out, and it was like we known each other forever. And... That's just the way that camaraderie was out there, and it was a lot of fun. So how long did the – I'm assuming this was an oil or gas pipeline? Yeah, it was all, uh, for the most part, natural gas, but they did run other chemicals and stuff through them too, some of the ones we did. Um, But there was a big boom going on in my part of the country for a while then. So up in western Pennsylvania, uh, Washington County was the natural gas capital of the country for a short time. Um, It's still a big big part of our industry right now. But – you know, there was no pipelines in that part of the country, or at least very few. Right. Um, so there was a big boom for probably 10 years. They did a lot of pipeline work in my area. And I was, I kind of caught the end of it, really, is what I did. But I traveled around for a little bit doing that. And Sounds it was like an absolutely uh, awesome experience. It was. It was It was something I never saw myself getting into. And it, like back in high school, if you'd have told me I was going to do pipeline construction, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I'm... And and some people still think pipeline, like the guys on the side of the road putting in the little distribution lines, and it's it's not that. I was dealing with 24-inch, 36-inch, 42-inch pipe. I mean, some big lines. Uh, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. Now, them, them uh, like you do these pipelines like this, and we got what we call the pipeliners. They got their own rig, their own setup and everything. Now, they make really good money, yeah, don't they? I absolutely. Mean, if that's coming in, you bring your own welder, you mm-hmm. bring everything. Yeah, in. they get rig pay. They get good money, great benefits. I yeah, mean. I, I looked into it. I looked into doing that, you know, just setting my own rig up and, and going out and running because I, I, I heard that they, they bring home the money. 
And I thought, man, maybe that's what I need to do. But then I found Dirt Perfect. <laughs> he, he pays better than seven ninety eight. He would never survive on the road without a babysitter, yeah. <laughs> especially surrounded yeah. by people just yeah, like him. Yeah, exactly. they're, they're their own worst demise. Yeah, I've seen it happen. I, it's, it's not yeah. going to be good. So, well, in the midst of all this, Matt, somewhere in all this craziness, you decided to start a YouTube channel. I'd really st- I don't even count it as my beginning, but I had started it actually back in high school. I was doing videos, like I said, at a motocross track, and it was really into dirt bikes and all that kind of stuff. So I'd video myself riding and my buddies and I and tinkering on my bikes. And the videos were terrible. There's I, There might be some of them that are still visible on the channel that you can go back and see, but they're just horrendous to watch. I can't get through them, and they're my own videos, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, back in the I, day when they were I, actually filmed, they were probably good videos. Yeah, they weren't that bad. Yeah. Like, it was, it was tolerable back then, I remember. And I... I I did have a few hundred subscribers by the time I was, you know, working and everything at this point, but it was never anything that I made much money off of. So you were posting dirt bike videos through high school. So you get to the machine shop and the yeah. By the time I was working after high school, I had just let that go. And at the time, I was making like a couple dollars a month off of it, but it was not any amount of money to be looked at seriously. Right, right. I didn't think that there was a way to really make that kind of decent money like a wage off of it so i just kind of let it go it took a lot of time and it wasn't something that was getting me anywhere so so at some point you uh decided to uh revive this thing yeah uh, i'd probably say uh the whole time i was pipeline and i took all these like the pictures you're seeing i also took videos the whole time um and saved them because you know company policies you're not allowed to post these pictures are you just recording with your phone at this point? yeah i'm just little stuff cool stuff i'd see happening like my favorite thing that we did we we were building bridges, so after we'd cut all this dirt and make the grade flat for the whole job, at the creek crossings, you'd have to build usually mat bridges, but some of these big spans that we'd get to, they would use rail cars for bridges. So they'd basically just take a rail car like you'd see it on the on the line, knock the wheels off of it, and make the edges so you could drive right onto it, and we'd set them across these big ravines or whatever it were. Um, so, I mean, there's no plan. There's no specific way to do this is just get it done figure it out so we had d8s on and you can go back on the channel and watch this but the we had a d8 on each side of this big huge ravine and a 90 foot rail car to get across this chasm well how do you do it because you can't it's a steep hill you can't put a hoe down there and lift up the end of it and drag it over you can't even reach it let alone lift it so we ended up I, i can't i think it was my idea we backed a dozer down on each side and the big d8ts with winches and we pulled a winch line across, hooked it up to this side, and had the other dozer already hooked to it, and just started pulling it tight. And as they got tight, of course, it lifts up off the ground, and just let this one out as this one pulled it in and kept it tight and snugged it up and just dropped it straight down on top of this thing. And it that was cool. It was wild. You got this ninety foot rail car that's thirty feet in the air, just hovering up there, just by tension. You know, it was pretty cool. Stuff like that really just was, made that job fun. Yeah. Yeah, well, like you said, there's no plan. Just figure it out. Yeah, as you just go, figure so. it out. And, and if you can't figure it out, throw more money at it. And that's the way those companies work. So as you started uh, filming and recording, like, were you thinking, well, maybe I can make something out of this YouTube, or is it still just a hobby at this point? It was just capturing the moment, you know, something I can show my kids someday that, yeah, this is what I did. But uh, yeah, I guess at the end of the one of the last big jobs that I was uh, bossing on. I uh, decided I was going to throw this stuff into a YouTube video because I still had this channel and I thought it'd be cool just to share with the the Pipeliner guys. I thought they'd share it around and get a kick out of it or whatever. So I did. I put it together and uh, put it out. And I don't know. It didn't really do much. It just my buddy shared it around and it was right. what it was. But, uh, you know, it, it reminded me of 
doing all those videos I used to do. So I started, uh, I had all this machinery at this point, you know, along the way I had acquired a dump truck and excavator and I don't even know what else by this, by this point, but I had, uh, been doing side work here and there on the side. So I said, well, I do that stuff in my off time and pipeline is feast and famine. You know, you might work six, eight months, a year straight, but then when the job's done, see, you're you, done, that's yeah. it. You know, if you, you might have another job lined up to go to, but not all the time. So I got laid off and, uh, so I started doing some more side work and recording it and working on my own stuff and recording it. And it just, uh, I decided I was going to stick with it because I saw there was people out there that were doing all that same stuff and making good money in it. You know, let's dig being one of those guys. So it seemed like something, a good time to do. I, I enjoy doing it, documenting what I'm doing. So I think that's, I mean, I, we've been, I guess you want to go seriously doing YouTube for about the same time now, 2018 ish. Yeah, And, and even going back now and looking at the jobs I did, four, three, four years ago, it's just cool to have that documentation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be really cool one day, to your point, whenever the kids are old enough to uh, go back and look at that and kind of see what you're doing because them videos are a whole lot better than any photo album I've ever looked at. That and, like, you watch the beta cam footage from somebody that grew up in the 90s and their home videos, you know, even if they documented the work they were doing, it's cool you can see some of it, but it's not really watchable. It's hard to follow, So so to sit here and edit stuff together and actually make it a – viewable experience is a lot easier to go back and get your kids to look at it, right, you know, right. take an interest. So obviously at some point you've got an immensely successful channel. So at some point this thing had to kind of catch fire a little bit and, and start taking off. Yeah, it was, that was COVID by this point. Uh, I was into the operators union and I was working on a road work job when COVID hit and I don't know, I was loading 374 loading rock trucks all day. And it was a it was an okay job. It was close to home, you know, paying operator scale, so it was decent money. But it wasn't pipeline work, and it wasn't something I was really passionate about. It was just work, and uh, I was still making videos and posting them. But it was it's hard to do when working a full time full time job, especially on a consistent schedule. Yeah, I mean I, that was a, a slow slow job for me working fifty hours a week. You know. People think 40 hours a week is a full-time job. That That's like part-time, part-time to me. I know all about that. I don't think that that's a full-time job at all. Well, yeah, in the construction industry, it's, it's like you said, you work when you can. The weather's right. The conditions are right. The permits are good. you got to go. Working pipeline, that was always bid for 610s. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to work 610s. That means yeah. that that's the contract. You have to work that minimum. Mm-hmm. And Pipeline's got, like, these unspoken rules where you're going to work the overtime. You're going to work the overtime. We're going to get somebody else to replace right, you. Right, So, usually, you know, and especially me, Boston, I had two extra hours a day coming in earlier and leaving late. You know, I was the first one there, last one to leave. So, I had two extra hours a day already. So, whatever, however many hours that adds up to in a week. And then it was, a lot of times we'd pick up Sunday or we'd work overtime, you know, work till 7, 8 o'clock whenever it was getting dark. And then we'd call it a day. So uh, COVID hits, you've got a little bit more time yeah, to... Uh, I keep backtracking. We no, have, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. But but COVID hits, you got more time to uh, focus on the videos now. Yeah, so I was working a road work job, still posting videos. They laid us off because of COVID. You know, they shut the world down. And uh, so I had nothing to do but work on all these projects that I've acquired over the years, all my machinery and everything. So I just had the time. So I just kept filming more and editing more and putting more out. Uh, of course, everybody's stuck at home, so they're watching YouTube, I imagine. And uh, by this point, I had already had a video, the video of my auto car kind of went 
I, I guess it went viral. I mean, I would say it went viral. I mean, it it, it got over a million views in, in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. Well, it was up for a while. That was the weirdest thing. That was the one of the, the only video I've had that went viral after it was posted for a really? while. That one was up for probably six months or so. And then took off. Yeah. Maybe even a year. But anyway, so it took off. And uh, so I saw that it was happening. I saw that I had this, this flame going. So I right, just kept right, throwing right, fuel to right. the fire. And... I remember being at work one day. This was right before COVID. I remember checking my phone. Every hour, I had another 1,000 subscribers. It was nuts. I was just like, this is crazy. I'm, like, calling my friends in the machine. I'm like, are you seeing this, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I just kept fueling the flames. And then when COVID hit, it was just, it just kept going. Right. And I just kept feeding it. Now, it slowed down to a manageable pace, of course. So, would you, uh, would you consider the auto car your first big break or the Orange Crush your first big break? Auto car was definitely the first big break. That got me to my thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours, and then and then some. I think by the time that that video cooled down, I was at thirty thousand subs or something, and it was that was to me was like I made it, you know. I'm here. Right, right. But uh, after after that, I just kept keeping on chugging along at it, and it was still like at a point during the lockdowns. It was still at a point where like I was making money at it, but it wasn't something I could consider a full time gig especially when you factor in all the benefits I had through the union. So by the time they called us back to work, I was like on the fence about it. I was like, it'd be really cool if I could do this do full time. But I just, I was playing it safe. You know, I didn't want to just jump into this thing. I don't trust it enough. So I went back to work for a little while and then they ran into more snags on that job and they laid us off again. And by this time I had, it had kept growing this whole time and the, the, money was getting to where I was like, you know what, I could keep pushing this and do better than I am working. So when they called me to come back again, I'm like, no, <laughs> you, you made the, uh, I'm good. You made the leap. I have a hard time making a leap. I mean, you, you, I mean, I know you still have the option to go back to the union, but you would consider yourself a full-time YouTuber now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's what it says on my W2 from last year's yeah, YouTuber. I, I just, uh, <laughs> That's hard. That's a hard one for me to make. I don't know. I don't blame you. I mean, it's, it's scary to me. The only reason I think I probably did it was because I have that security. You got that I, I can just net. call the union and say, "Hey, I need work," and they say, "Okay." And then a couple of days later, I'll have a job. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't mind disclosing that I probably make enough on YouTube to where I can make a very comfortable living doing that. Sure, it's I'm just sure you more do. of a uh, not a conspiracy theorist, nothing like that. But I can control my excavating business one hundred percent. I cannot control YouTube. That's true. I'm not a control freak, but I just I, I hate being dependent on something I can't control. And 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 the flip side of that is I do enjoy what I do. Sure. And, so, and what content would you have if you didn't do it? Right. Right. It. Uh, so I. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll get there, but I don't. I've said for a long time that YouTube's my hobby. I want to keep it my hobby, and it's it, there's times like today setting up all this podcast stuff. I'm like, what, are we, what am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> is this really <laughs> worth it? Yeah, is it really worth it? I think but, Mr. Works yeah, a lot. Just sit there uh, and watch him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Mr. Works a lot owes you a big thank you. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree 100. percent So, um, but I mean, I guess that's a good point to bring up too. Is YouTube? If you want to get into it, I have a lot of people ask me all the time. You know, how do I get started? This is going to be great. I'm going to make all this money. Don't go into it with that mindset at all. You no. might not make anything for a long time. No, and if you're if you're just strictly doing YouTube for money, I think it comes across on the channel, and I think you're going to have a whole lot of time, a whole lot harder time being successful. Absolutely. Um, I did. I did. My, me personally, I did YouTube for a hobby, something to kill time, something to document my life. And at the end of the day, I needed to make just enough money to justify my time. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at for a long time with it. If I could justify my time doing it, I have a hobby that cancels itself out. 
I was content with it. Now, since then, it's obviously grown into quite a bit more than that, and I'm I'm thankful for that. But um, I, like I said, I just have a hard time making that leap to full time YouTuber. There was, go ahead. I'm I'm a shy guy, but what I really like it doesn't show. I know I know it don't. But you know, like I'm a small guy in this, so I ain't got all. This is the guy that has ten thousand subscribers and no videos. (laughs) Yes, but you know, I get on there, I get comments, and I love to. I don't know, I love to enter interact with everybody, and that's been. I think what you're trying to say nicely is stir the crap. You're gonna get you're gonna get tagged as a bot by YouTube because you have ten (laughs) thousand subs and no videos. Doesn't make sense. Delete this guy. You got to post something, especially with the last name of Bum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, somebody got on there and commented, which I have a couple videos. I got like seven. Oh, I don't even know, it, but it, no, no big number of videos. I just got too busy. The first video we ever posted got like twenty thousand views. Jeez. So now I got people commenting back about Simon said, "Daddy Simon says," and, <laughs> and so I got this big thing going. But I do. I love to interact with them. I think that's been probably... Well, you bring up a good point. I mean, YouTube is a really cool community. It is. Uh, yeah. I, I think Jason and a lot of other people have said that um, YouTube does a good job of aligning like-minded people. So a lot of times the people show up on your channel and your comments, you got something in common with them. Mm-hmm. And we've both met a lot of cool people, got a lot of cool, experience, of great people. cool experiences. And, and then the only reason we're sitting here right now is because of YouTube. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say this... I wouldn't give up all the money because I need to justify my time. But, I mean, there, I, I would cherish the relationships and the experiences over the money. Yeah. I mean, and oh, even yeah. even just having those experiences, if you were in the industry meeting all these people, you yes. could do so much with that and branch out and, and get other things out of it other than just the money from YouTube. And I get the same question a lot of times. Well, how do I get started in YouTube? And my answer is usually pretty simple. It's free to start. All you need yeah. is an iPhone and an email address. Mm-hmm. Um Post a few videos, see how it goes, see if you like it. Yeah, he, he brought something up there. I get the same question a lot. You know what I say? Call Dirt Purpose. <laughs> <laughs> he set mine up, him, him and Jason. I, I need to start no taking clue. his AdSense money for editing yeah, fees. Yeah, you got to do that. But, but have you ever seen, like, negative $14 on yours? <laughs> That's where I'm at. I don't know what that means. You owe YouTube. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're charging you for hosting all those videos. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but my only advice is if you do start a YouTube channel, don't do it for two weeks and say this is not going to work. Like you need to do it for at least six months. I suggest a oh, year that. consistently. That was the I, and then I, make a decision whether it's going to work or not. Yeah, I watched videos when I first decided that I was going to push my channel and try to get it back to monetization status. Just like you said, just to cover the cost of doing it, just to justify it. So I watched these videos and. The thing that I retained out of it was that you got to post consistently and mm-hmm. that uh, the first 1,000 subscribers is going to be harder first. than the next 99,000. Yeah. And that was true for me, double. 100% for me. I think it took me two and a half, three months to get 1,000, and then I was at 2,000 in like 30 days after that. Yeah, so you actually made it faster than I did. It took me, and I had a jump start because I restarted this old channel that I had from high school with a few hundred subscribers. And I think it took me probably six months of consistent posting to get up to a thousand. Now from a thousand, it's kind of when I hit that hot streak and it went to, I bet you I hit a hundred thousand between a thousand and a hundred thousand. I think it was only a couple months. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. It's, um, and, and YouTube has peaks and valleys. Absolutely. You'll be climbing for a while. You'll be crashing for a while. Yeah. You'll be climbing for a while. That's yeah, one thing. That, 
one thing Wade told me whenever I got started, he said, just ride the roller coaster and enjoy it. Don't worry about it too much because it'll drive you crazy. Now, Wade may ride a different roller coaster than I I was do. just thinking that. And not only that, every time you talk about Wade, I just hear it in his voice and him smiling and kind of half yelling it at the same time. <laughs> just ride the roller coaster, brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wade's uh, – remind me off – camera to tell you about Wade and the Hyundai guys. Oh man, this <laughs> sounds like a good one. It's a, it's a good one for sure. You were up there for that one after the excavator challenge. Yeah. Game. For, those, yeah. for those of you watching, he told me a great story earlier about Wade and a tux <laughs> on the way to a wedding and an alternator went out and he's hollering in and out of a parts store about the yeah. V6 and this van. Actually, oh, uh, man. If I think you know we, Logger Wade, this is a good story. I think we actually covered that in the podcast with Logger oh, Wade. Man. But, not, but not to get off subject real quick, me and Wade went to the uh, Chipper Guys wedding we're coming through uh, Columbus, Indiana, and the alternator goes out in the minivan we're driving. So we pull into AutoZone. I'm underneath the hood of the minivan. Wade's standing in the door of AutoZone. And we were both in tuxes? We, were, no, we weren't in tuxes. We had uh, uh, dress pants, suit, and tie. The story's way better in my mind if you Wade's yeah, in a so Wade, tux with a boot layer. Just pretend tux. Wade, yeah. Yeah, Wade's, in the, Wade's in the door, and he's like, four-cylinder, six-cylinder, Mikey. <laughs> I'm like six, and he turns to the counter guy, it's a six, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then this goes on for like six or eight questions. We're drawing a crowd at this point. Somebody recognizes Wade from Axeman, and he's like, I'll be with you in a minute. Hold on. So, and then uh, he's like, he's got one that we need the core, Mikey. I'm like, it's coming, Wade. So then, then we leave, and he's like, we ain't going to make it. Let's go to, he wanted to go to Walmart, buy a battery-powered leaf blower, so we'd have a turbo to get this thing to Michigan in time. I'm like, Wait, man. You know what I picture there? You know, you bring up the tux, but what I picture is when the, that movie Step Brothers, when they're going for their job interviews. With oh, their yeah, yeah. It looked just dressed just like that. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it was. We had a we had a good time. We made it with five minutes to spare. Uh, Wade's like, I'm going to bust in there and object. I'm like, let's just find the right place first. Like, <laughs> just, just, just Four minutes more than you needed, right? Uh, but anyway, So back to the YouTube channel, Matt. So... Going forward, I mean, YouTube is, uh, from our end of stuff, is, uh, it's a wild ride. You get the people that love the channel. You get the people that comment on the channel that you can't do anything right. So, you know, one question I always ask you guys, everybody does it different. Like, how do you deal with all the negative comments and the, and the negative stuff? It's really situational for me because there's some people that I feel like they're, they're making a comment and they're being genuine about it. They're like really don't understand why I'm doing it or they genuinely think I'm just the stupidest person they've ever seen in, in the world. And I think 90% of the time when it comes down to it is that they don't pay attention to what I'm saying in the video. Right. A lot of times I explain exactly why I'm doing it just the way I'm doing it. And one that pops up, I have this video where I'm building my driveway out at my farm and the ideal situation when you're, you know, you're dumping rock out of a truck as you tailgate it out, of course. But in the situation, the ground is really wet. Reverse gear in my truck's pretty tall. So you're either going to go forward through all this stuff. You're just going to mess up all the, the underlayment paper I have, the road fabrics. You're going to drive over that and just completely destroy it because you're going to be making all these deep ruts. Plus, then you're going to be ruining your grade with all these deep ruts. The, the reverse option is you spin the truck around and back and tailgate going backwards. Well, again, reverse is tall in my truck. I'm spreading number fours about a foot thick. It doesn't like reverse, you know. It's hard to do. So I just dump the rock out as faster and easier to just spread it with the machine. And I get comments all the time. And I discussed that in the video. I said, I can't do this because of X, Y, Z. And I get comments on that video still to this day, probably several times a week. You're stupid. You should have just reversed, dumped the truck, and it would have been so much faster. 
okay. Yeah. You know? I, you know, ironically, I got the same similar situation with millings on my driveway. You can't spread millings, so they got big chunks on them. It's no, deep it drive messes bike. up the tail. And, it, and it's so up. much. It's so much easier just to, to run them out. But you know, my take on it's pretty simple. Like those guys that have those strong opinions, I gave you a five minute clip out of a twelve hour day. There's no way you have enough information to even have that much yeah. of an opinion. You, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you can't form an opinion based on this video. And, and to your point, some people like you can tell by the way they type and comment they have a genuine understanding of what you did and they may have a legitimate point even though they're rude about it mm-hmm. and other people you can just tell are just trying to aggravate you uh it's just cheap entertainment for me like i i i like i almost respond to every one of them and i have fun with it yeah i i love to respond to the comments and i wish i had more time to keep doing it as the when the channel was smaller it was manageable i could i responded to like 99 percent of the comments and the ones that are really rude i just let them go because what they don't realize is that they're helping me anyways. Yes, they're exactly. triggering, triggering the algorithm. I have this guy, and I hope he's listening right now. This guy's name, I can tell you because I don't think it's a real name. His name's like Damien something. And he comments, or at least he did, on every single video. All right? And I like this guy because he would just tear me up and down and rip me a new one through and through. But he would rip me up and down and all the while talking about things that were clear at the end of a 40-minute video and he sometimes posts multiple comments about it. So he's not only watching the whole video every time I post, he's also leaving multiple comments. You know what that's really good for? Yeah, the YouTube algorithm. The algorithm. Yeah, exactly. So I don't care, buddy. Come on. Yeah. And then one day I just I just got I just thought it was funny at this point because I just like it's clockwork. He just you know, it does this. So it doesn't bother me at all, but I just pinned it just to see what would happen and see if anybody would oh, attack this guy. He deleted them within a minute. I mean, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. But, yeah, sometimes there are people who run to my defense and, and you know, explain to people X, Y, Z. But for the most part, if they're negative and I feel like they're just trying to just run me down, excuse me, I uh, I just ignore them. It's yeah. not worth my time. It, uh, you know, I got some – friends in the youtube world and like they get a negative comment like they lose sleep over it yeah and i'm like guys like have some confidence in what you do like i you know i know in that situation we made the best decisions possible for ourselves and the customers i have no doubt about that one bit um these guys on youtube don't have enough information or knowledge to even have that strong opinion and and move on so mm-hmm. but uh, you know like i got the the 850j has an empty fire extinguisher bracket in the back i'll leave it in there because it drives comments yeah. You know, and they, they say, well, you need to really put a fire extinguisher in that bracket. And I'm like, plan work perfect, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or the guy told me I need to do something without ASAP, and I respond with, you're correct, I will remove it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, it's not worth losing sleep over it. I, mean, I understand if you're a smaller channel, you got 5,000 subscribers or something, you know, you're not getting the volume of comments a day that where that feels like it's something at that point. Right, but, right. You know, and then I, you do something to irritate somebody and they're like, you know, I liked you, but I'm done. I'm unsubscribing. Like there was a time when I was like, oh no, this guy's, you know, I really, at this, this point, guy. I'm like, thanks for letting you see ya. Say, Yeah. I don't care. Like, I mean, and I don't say that to be rude. I appreciate every one of my subscribers because I couldn't do this without Yeah, them. but you want to give your time to the people that truly appreciate what you're doing, not the guy that wants to nick. But yeah. you know, I get the guys that tell me I talk too much. They're unsubscribing. I'm like, thanks. I'm not changing who I am. Yeah. It's, this is my channel. You're watching me, not. Right. Whoever you're comparing me to, um, so it's just I, I'm I'm going about it in a genuine way. I'm exactly. trying to do everything to be transparent, explain what I'm doing, why I'm not saying I'm perfect. There's things I screw up. I leave my accidents in the videos, which I know a lot of people like that. But there's uh, there's just people that are just out there to be rude because it's the internet. 
So switching gears just a little bit here before we run out of time, I think you and I got kind of similar views on uh, partnerships or sponsorships. <clears throat> As in, I'm willing to do stuff, but it needs to be organically fit into the channel. Um, I don't uh, like promoting stuff. or um, we, we discussed another YouTuber, which pretty much all he does now is promote stuff. Uh, I think it takes away from the channel. I mean, I'm not going to promote a, a gas grill because somebody's going to pay me, but I'll promote a bucket teeth because I use them. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, he sh- he who shall not be named is basically just a YouTube infomercial at this point. I mean, yeah, I don't think he does anything that isn't which is sponsored. a little bit of a shame because he kind of gives the rest of us a bad name as as a, as an influencer air quote. Um, but uh, if it organically fits into the channel or if it's something we're going to use anyways. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in, as long as I'm allowed to give my honest opinion, I'm, I'm interested yeah. to do that. And so for those of you that probably don't know how YouTube works, it's a big marketing tool for a lot of companies. And once you hit a certain level, I mean, it started out back when I was at 2000 subs, there was companies that would reach out here and there, but the bigger you get, the more it comes. And I probably get, I don't know, 10, 15 offers a day from companies that, you know, like mobile games are a big one. So you watch some of these videos and they're like, today's episode's brought to you by whatever game and it's to me that cheapens what you're doing there's some channels that it's just I'd, I'd ignore it it's whatever but a lot of times when I get to that point in the video I shut it off and I've only done one of those one time and it was because it was for a non-profit thing and it just made it just made sense at the time um so but for the most part if unless it ties directly into the channel and really is something like you said, I can give an honest opinion about and something I can stand behind. I don't want to touch it, yep. you know, and everybody, of course, everybody wants free stuff. You know, who isn't going to want to take the free tool set that they're going to offer? Right, you? right, right. But if it's a cheap piece of junk and I can't say, hey, well, they gave me this, but it's a cheap piece of junk. If I can't say that, then I don't want it. And it's just not worth my time. Yeah. So uh, wrapping up here a little bit, a couple things I want to hit on. You are the master of unfinished projects. I just want to mention that I have one. Can there be a master of unfinished I, I projects? I just want to though, mention, I, this is going to be a win for me. I've got one unfinished project in my arsenal, Lieutenant Dan. You have multiple yeah. <laughs> unfinished projects. Well, we, I, we discussed it earlier off camera. You know, this is, it, it spiraled out of control, A, because of YouTube. I would have never had this many projects if it weren't for right. YouTube. It provided opportunities. It's good content, yeah. And uh, the nice thing about it is that they pay for themselves as right. I do this stuff. So that's good, but... It started out, honestly, I always wanted that auto car. Uh, my grandfather drove that same truck. Not that same exact truck, but the same model. You know, it's identical. Uh, so I always grew up seeing pictures of him. So I wanted that truck. So I found the truck, bought the truck, and I wasn't planning on working on it till like, I was 40. Like, I was planning on being, like, retired. I just found this truck, and they're hard to find, so I figured I'd buy it. Yeah, latch on to it like in. Yeah, so, but YouTube, you know, exploded, and they're all just beating the door. You got to finish this truck. I didn't even start on it yet. You know, this is a big undertaking. So that's kind of like a long-term project. That's going to be the longest term project on the channel. And then there's ones that have come up in the meantime that are more achievable with my means that I have now. So for those of you that don't know, I'm actually getting a real shop built this year, which is pretty exciting. That's uh, where I was going to kind of lead into here in a little bit is uh, like, where do you see yourself in five years? I know you're in the process of uh, building a shop, which is going to be a huge step for you. Um, I know you just got married. Congratulations. Thank and um, I know you in the future homestead. So, like, what uh, if you had a crystal ball and, you know, I'm assuming you're still going to be doing YouTube, still doing the, the projects? As long as I'm able to, yeah. I'm going to keep rowing the boat the same direction. I like what I'm doing. I like where I'm going. Um, it's just one of those things that we discussed earlier. YouTube, you know, 
I, I have good feelings about it, but you never know. You never I never know. can trust it. So uh, hopefully still just on the same well, course. We actually had an in-depth conversation, and, and I don't know how you'd even gauge this. Is, is YouTube on the way up? Is YouTube on the way down? Is YouTube plateaued? Uh, I think I don't think it's on the way down. I think it's I think it's getting close to the peak and it's going to plateau for a while, is, is my opinion. But I'm it's just uh, just an observation for De- myself. Depending on who you listen to, who you talk to, you know, ratings and and major network television is all down right now. It's all yeah. You know, CNN's ratings are in the toilet. Somebody told me, and I don't know if it's true. I don't look at the ratings, but somebody told me that I was getting more views than CNN does. And honestly, it really wouldn't surprise me knocking down a few yeah, million I, views a month. I um, easy. I was looking to listen to some of the uh, I listened to a guy on YouTube and he does uh, the TV ratings on NASCAR events. Mm-hmm. And like there was a few NASCAR Cup races that I got more views in that week than what they did. And I'm like, holy cow! It really puts it yeah. in perspective about. And if you're an advertiser going towards that group, it's like, wow. Yeah, where's your money doing more at? Yeah, exactly. And they, I, they can pay me two thousand dollars to do something. Well, I'm random number uh considerably less than the millions they're paying to be on that cup yeah, car like that's what i was just gonna say like i've never once looked at a nascar car and think i gotta buy m&ms right. this guy's got them on his hood i gotta buy m&ms but you know? if somebody <laughs> sees a flashlight on your channel and they actually use it yeah there's a high the the concentrated audience there's a higher probability they may be absolutely and, and and it's a real review if you see it on my channel it's because i actually like this thing like right. i started off with olight i've promoted for them a few times and i probably wouldn't have done it if it weren't for youtube because they are expensive flashlights so they sent me a couple said here try these things out and there wasn't even a, i think i got like a two percent sales commission or something it wasn't i really wasn't in it for the sales commission i was in it just for the free f- flashlights sure i'll try them out but i wasn't going to put them on there if they weren't any good right um so i did try them out for a while before i put them on the channel and you know what i I fell in love with them. I use those things every day. There's four or five of them in my truck. I use them all the time. So I don't feel bad promoting their stuff because it's it's a good product. So do you still thoroughly enjoy doing YouTube? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a dream job. Who I In my case, in your case too, you're getting paid to work on your own stuff at home. I mean, in my case, I'm at home. 90% of my videos are me working on my own projects. Would What's better than that? So somebody in my position, I don't think it could get any better. I enjoy doing it. It's stressful at times because people don't understand the amount of work that does go into the filming, the editing, you know, trying to get things up at a consistent rate. I hold myself to deadlines because if I don't, yeah, I'll just slack off and never right. do it. Yeah, it's um, I, I've been very cautious with my YouTube not to turn it into a job. Like, I'm afraid if I turn it into a job, I just, I go full board anything. So I think it's nice to have my real job to offset my time to keep me going that. But uh, um, we have fun with it. It's, yeah. a, it's a it's a fun little community. It's a fun, the, the subscribers, I mean, they're 99.9% yeah. of them are absolutely awesome. Oh, absolutely. I've met a lot of great people. I have guys that comment on every single video yeah. that I put out consistently. I know them. I recognize them, you know. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I always appreciate the commenters that actually, like, asked a detailed, legitimate question about the video because you know they watched, they they thoroughly enjoyed it, they they thoroughly paid attention to the whole thing. There's people that pick out details in the background of videos that I never ever like, thought um, about. Like him peeing in the woods? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always worried about that. That's yeah. been a real concern of so, mine. So, I had a sponsored video by Milwaukee, like one of the few, this Milwaukee grease gun, alright? <laughs> and we're, we're over there, me and Matt are over there greasing, this, greasing this, this machine, you know, doing this whole big spiel, greasing this machine, and I post a vi- I send it to Milwaukee for approval. I post this video, and like I get comments after comments about this timestamp and a snake in the woods. 
I'm like, what in the hell is going on? So I go back and watch it. I don't see no snake. Don't see no snake. And so finally somebody comments, I've seen Aaron taking a piss. I'm like, what? So I go back and sure enough, there yeah. he is in the background, just all sprawled out, hands behind his head, just peeing away. I mean, I'm like, oh, it's really, seriously. So you should have never rushed me that day. It's all your fault. Oh, my fault. You know, there was somebody that did something similar on one of my videos that uh, kind of freaked me out. And I was never able to find anything. But I, I want to say it was twice. And I don't know if it was the same guy that posted it or if it was two different people. But they said, who is that guy in the woods at this timestamp? And I'm out there at the farm working by myself in a big patch of woods. Right. So the idea that somebody could be out there walking over my shoulder, looking over my shoulder is... A little eerie. Yeah. And it's not it's not unfathomable because it, I'm making loud noise and focusing on what I'm doing. I'm not sitting right. there looking around like I'm... Got the light tower deer, running. You know? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of noise going on. I'm not paying attention. So, yeah, somebody commented like, who's that guy at 554 or something, you know, and I'm... I'm back there scrolling through the video. I'm making my <laughs> wife watch. I'm like, do you see this person? Like, cause I want to know who it is. If there's somebody out there in the video, they're on my property and I got to know about that. And that's, that's one of the things that kind of scares me about YouTube is getting into this spotlight to where people find you. I mean, people track me down. People have tracked my parents down, called their house phone, you know, and it's like, I understand everybody wants to meet their person that they, they like, they right. enjoy. And, and there's a, there's a line where you just, yeah, Which people wouldn't cross. I am, um, I'm very fortunate in that as in we own the Derby market, which is a public place that people yeah. come looking for me and everything else I keep. I mean, I film a lot at my house, but that location's somewhat private. Um, with, with you, you don't have a public general. No. Like, people traveling through my area can stop at the Derby market and they may or may not see me. They can get ice cream if they don't, they go on their way, mm-hmm. which anybody's done that. Thank you. But, um, there's been a, there's been a few of them that comment, you know, found you on Google Earth or, or something that's a little bit like that crossed the line. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and I think 99% of them are harmless and it's like right. people are just genuinely curious about where you're at and, and they just want to see what it looks like on the satellite image and stuff like that. Because I've been there with creators where I'm just like, I've watched enough of their videos to say, well, he never shows the whole place or gives a full tour. I'd like to see what this really looks like, you know, but I'm never going so far as to spending six hours on Google Earth dragging right, around right. and trying to find it. You know, one thing I always am a little cautious to let people know is, um, you know, everything you see done on our channels, we do ourselves. We don't have a film crew following us around. It's a pretty low-budget, low... budget, low <laughs> that's, that's an understatement. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you get these people comment about video quality or audio quality or this, that, and the other, and I'm like, it's... It, like, I'm doing this as I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. kind of be thankful you got what you got yeah. at some point. And I think a lot of people appreciate the little less uh, unedited, unproduction. Well, that opposite of reality TV, I guess, is what ties I'm back to into one of my points where I like doing YouTube and I like watching YouTube for the reason that I do not like overproduced reality TV. A, it's not reality in the least bit. Uh, there's scripts to those shows in case you guys don't know. There's shows like Gold Rush and, and – uh, you know, I'm not running those shows down. They are well, what they are, but it's not, it's not what I want to watch. And I know that there's a lot of other people that feel the same way. So leaving my mistakes in there, you know, true, showing, rea- true reality. Yeah. That's, that's what I know. There's a market for, there's a lot of people that do enjoy that. So that's what I want to appeal to. You know, one of the um, most common comments we get to people that do come visit us or find us is, is they're like, wow, you're the exact same guys we see on YouTube. Yeah. And my response to that is I'm not good enough to be an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's uh, it it is what it is, you know, and, 
The only person uh, that's not the same on YouTube as he is in real life is Wade, and that's because what you see on YouTube is actually the toned down version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's I'm, I want to say I'm the same person overall, but add a few more cuss words in, and yeah. then yeah. Uh, yeah. and then dial back the energy a little bit. Like <laughs> you got to keep like it seems like energetic channels do better, and that's where I mean I am genuinely excited, but I'm never that guy that's like. Woohoo! Yeah, you know, running yeah. around like if I get a Christmas present, I'm really excited about it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Thanks a lot. You know, that's, that's it. That's cute. as excited as I get normally. And my dad started watching my channel after I'd been doing it for years too, and he was like, "You're a completely different person on there. You're just this ball of energy." You know, I'm like, "I'm not really." You bring up a good point because whenever I started my YouTube channel, I would have done anything to be able to put a geofence around my channel, like nobody within a hundred miles could subscribe that to been me. Great. You know what I mean? Man, that would be great. It was uh, it was weird whenever like your banker comes up to you and you're like, "Oh man, love the channel," or or your grandma. Like my grandma watches every video religiously, and I get a report, <laughs> and then she reads every comment, and she has. Gets, yeah. Thank God she don't know how to comment back because <laughs> she would be the one in there at starting yeah. the war. But yeah, I get uh, my aunt. Uh, she watches every single video now and she she's watching them on her iPad and she's got nothing better to do at this point. Yeah, so she, uh, she, if, if I miss a video posting, she'll call me, where's the video at? You know, when I see her, she's roasting me about it. You know, kind of now I've gotten used to it, but it was really weird whenever local people or people you knew like started coming up to you talking about your videos. It's, it's, it's one of those things that as time's gone on, I've gotten a lot more comfortable talking about it. But like, I don't like to tell people I'm a YouTuber because you're going to get these people that are younger usually that are like, oh, that's really cool, and like make a fuss over you, which I'm not, I'm not about that. Or there's the people that are older, typically, and they're like, you do what? Yeah, like you post videos on the internet. What? what get a job, man. One of the uh, craziest experiences I had was with the first meet and greet I ever did. I probably had like eight or thousand, eight or nine thousand subscribers. Uh, it was at uh, the Hoosier Hardwood Festival in Cloverdale, Indiana, and the two biggest fans that showed up that day. Uh, one was a 65 year old man and the other one was a nine year old girl. <laughs> and it was like, it just, it was eye opening that the wide variety of audience that you were able to capture. And, and one was just as excited to meet me as the other one was. It, yeah. it, it was really cool. So YouTube demographics are cool to look at just to see where you're really reaching out to and the age uh, groups that you're appealing to and all that stuff. That's, it's been a eye opening experience. Like it you has, said. has been. Well, Matt, we're going to have to wrap this up. I mean, congratulations on an immensely uh, successful channel. You've, it's all uh, luck. It's, uh, well, there may be some luck involved, but I'm a firm believer. I think I was listening to uh, an Aaron Witt uh, podcast that uh, good content takes care of itself. That's true. Yeah, You can put all the all the proof on you want to on stuff, but if it's good content, it takes care of itself. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, the good the good content will take care of itself, and you guys get you got a lot of awesome awesome content. And I'm sure there's a lot more of it to come. And one so. day it'll be finished. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down and chat with us, and yeah, appreciate you guys wanting to interview me. Hey, anytime. And one of these days, you've you've been to Derby, you've seen the the perfect the dirt perfect compound. I need to get up and check out what you got going on, and come check out the Diesel uh, Creek. One thing I, we didn't cover in this is uh, one how you got your name. We'll save that for another podcast. Do that. And uh, two, your passion for the old equipment. I think we could almost do a whole podcast on that. Probably, yeah. Because so. uh, I share a lot of that same passion. I'm just not able to quite uh, do it to the extent you, you could. Are. You're choosing not to. <sighs> <laughs> you could be saving things from the scrapyard right now. I, I have. want to go over there. I have saved I some the scrapyard. I've saved oh, a few things from the scrapyard. He, he throws stuff away and I'm pulling it back out. That's my dad. 
Yeah, if I throw it away, though, it's junk. Like, it's junk, junk. I'm still exactly. mad at you for one thing. You What's should that? have bought that Euclid dozer. I'd kick myself for that. I really do. But Or Terex dozer. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, same thing. Same thing. But uh, I, I'm going to have one of those one of these days. Then you want to come up to that steam show and check out that I'm uh, coming. TC24? Yeah. I'm. Uh, you said sometime in May? Yeah. I'll, I'll get back to anybody that watches my channel. I know I cover the steam show. Uh, pretty local to yeah. me. So we're going to try and get uh, – Get a couple YouTubers up there yep. this year. Check um, things um, out. As long as something catastrophic don't happen, I'm in. And uh, I'm actually taking a trip with Chris Let's Dig here in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll tell him I'll kidnap him if I have to. I'll go get him. So, <laughs> but uh, well, Matt, man, thanks for your time. Like I said, congratulations on the channel, all the success. I couldn't be happier yeah, for you. It. Same to you. Nice to see um, good things happen to good people. Same to you. And uh, uh, man, behind the scenes, I'm not sure where to follow that up with. Yeah, I don't know uh, what you're really riding on coattails here. You gotta <laughs> yeah, get some of your own platform, buddy. I'm ready? You know, how many, you, know, you know how many people would love to have 10,000 subscribers? Yeah. And this guy gets them by accident. Yeah. yeah. With the, the last name of Bum. That, that. Boom. Um, we, we had it in the live feed. It was boom. They admit it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Matt. And we shall catch you guys on the next one.